Hello, Obsessors. Welcome to another episode of the Obsessed with Humans on the Verge of Change podcast. Get ready. Today, do we have a treat for you? We got to sit down with Rhonda, who is the editor in chief of the Wild Rose Press. Rhonda's story and advice is just out of this world. She is such an amazing human being, beautiful from the inside out. And we get to talk about dreaming bigger, starting something and just going for it, believing in ourselves and believing in our dreams and taking action and being able to really move forward in our life and being okay with not really knowing what's going to come next, but just knowing that it's meant for you. Get ready to become obsessed with Rhonda, just like us. Hey guys, welcome to Obsessed. Think of us as your personal development entourage, all wrapped up into one podcast. If you're committed to your personal development and believe your life is meant for more, then get ready to learn the tools you need to elevate this experience called life. Get obsessed with your life, just like us. We are Tia, Tristan, Mika, and Julie, and we are obsessed with humans on the verge of change. Hi, I'm Tristan, and I'm obsessed with your emotional well-being. Obsessors, we have Rhonda Penders, the editor-in-chief of the Wild Rose Press. Today, we are talking dreaming bigger, unleashing your creativity at any age, in any circumstance. You can do it. Rhonda, we're obsessed with you already. Okay, Rhonda. So we kick off all of our podcast interviews with asking our interviewers, what are you obsessed with? Oh, you know, besides the usual girly stuff like shoes and my children, I guess I'm obsessed with watching women in particular uh, go to their full potential. You know, I really love that the generation coming up behind me, I'm in my mid fifties. And I think the generation coming behind me is really doing so much more than our generation even did. So I just love that. I'm obsessed with, I think, watching to see how far they can go. You're our cup of tea there, Rhonda. <laughs> I mean, that's that's everything we're about here, Tia, Mika, and I, and 100% love that. And how do you see that journey for women, young women, girls, taking it from just a spark, an idea, and you know, really living out their dreams, number one? And then we well, want like to know a little bit about you. Sorry to interrupt. Well, I like to think that at least, so it's, you know, it's difficult for me because I don't have daughters. I don't really even have any um, young girls that are close friends, but I watch my sons and the girls that they've been with. And these girls are just so, I think their parents raised them to believe they could be anything. The generation is gone where parents thought that girls, you know, didn't need to go as, I keep saying as far as they can go, but you know what I mean? They're not being, they're not secretaries like we were. You know, I was a secretary for many, many years and I loved it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there's none coming behind me because the young girls today are not looking to be administrative workers. They're looking to be the administrator, right? So it's a whole different generation coming up that's shooting higher than we did, I think. I love that. And you kind of touched on how you used to be a secretary. So kind of walk us through your process, how you decided to start dreaming bigger and living the life that you knew that you desired and deserved deep down. So I, I guess part of it is, and I, and I actually had this conversation with my youngest son who's still trying to find himself, is you don't know what you're going to be in your 50s. I had no clue when I was 25, like he is, that at 55, I was going to own a company for t- over 10 years. So when I was young, the main constant was writing. 
So I literally have stories I wrote when I was seven about my dogs and cats. And then I was, you know, the, the editor of the school newspaper. And then I worked for a small newspaper. And I always wrote, even while I was working in offices, there was always a piece of me that was writing. And I had some small stories published. So writing is the piece that's been a constant. It's never left me. And my business partner, RJ, who's in North Carolina, she and I were writing partners. We met on a Harlequin website back in the late 90s when the internet was still kind of coming into the the world. And we both were trying to get published by Harlequin. And so we became critique partners. And RJ is brilliant. She's a... uh, a geek uh, in in the best possible word. And she can build websites and do all kinds of things with a computer. And so in 2006, we were both kind of getting frustrated with the publishing process. And she said to me, she said, you know, eBooks are going to be the next big thing. And I said, what are you talking about? Nobody wants to be e-published. That's so stupid. No one wants to be e-published. She's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. She says, it's going to be like when they downloaded music, it's going to be a big thing. She says, I think we should open a publishing house and publish our own stuff. I'm like, nobody does that. What are you talking about? She's like, oh, it'll be fun. I'll just be for fun. We'll just, we'll just see what happens. Well, it's 15 years later. (laughs) We're a corporation. There's 37 people working for us. And, you know, we have over 500 authors um, at any given time. So I guess she was right. A lot of those points hit home with me. First of all, you're a mom to all boys and Mm -hmm. so am I. So I am always looking for those female connections like Tia and Mika. Yeah. Surrounding myself with the feminine energy and the writing piece. A lot of us are creatives. A lot of the obsessors here, they have those ideas, those like those little sparks or seeds planted and it doesn't go anywhere. And the fact that you were on that tipping point of, you know, you had had enough, you recognize that there was a deep need for publishing a certain genre and you just did it. And now you have a corporation. I mean, that doesn't happen with every little dream, every little girl dreaming. And I don't think it would happen if we tried to do it five years ago. I think we were at the right place at the right time, which is so much the magic of a lot of companies. There weren't that many players in the e-market at the time. So when we came on the field and the other thing we did different, and we still do this today, is we are very author oriented. We treat writers the way we want it to be treated. And so communication is huge. Taking care of our authors is huge. If there's any issues at all, we take care of them because that's how we wanted it to be. We didn't want there to be any closed doors. If you email, you can email me and ask me any question and I'm going to answer your email every day. You know, and I'm the head of the company. You have, you have your editor's email. You don't have to go through a bunch of people to get to her. So that's another reason why I think it's sustained the way it has is because we did it for the writers. I think that's really cool because a lot of you know businesses start off with that mentality, but once they get 37 people working under them, they kind of lose contact with that piece of them and why they started. So how are you able to remind yourself of your your why and where you started to keep continuing to grow your business in the direction you wanted to? I think a big piece of it is the nurturing. I think you have to have be a nurturer by character. RJ is not so much a nurturer. She's more the cut and dry. So the, the joke at the company is if you send us both an email asking a question, you will get three paragraphs from me with smiley faces and flowers, and you'll get two words from her saying, no way. So it's you have to have the yin and the yang. She gets the business done. She gets things taken care of that has to be taken care of. And I nurture the authors 
and I do the conferences. I'm the face of the company. I do all of the the girly stuff, if you would. And she handles all of the, not so much the business end, I won't say that, but the geeky stuff that I don't want to deal with. You know, she takes care of that. So you have to have a strong partner in anything, whether it's a marriage or whether it's a, a this that you can trust. You know, I can say to her, will you do A? And I never have to ask if she did it. It's already done. And the same with me. So it works for us that way. That's inspirational. I sure hope RJ is not going to be listening to this episode. No, she knows. I, she, she, the thing with her is she doesn't want to do the part that I do. And I don't want to do the part that she does, which is why it works. You know, we aren't envious. She's not envious of me traveling to Greece, you know, in two weeks. She doesn't want oh, to go to Greece. Oh, who is RJ? She's not <laughs> envious of that? No, she's not really a, uh, you know, she's not the, she's the introvert and I'm the extrovert, right? So it's not really her thing. And you guys recognize that it's such an mm-hmm. early stage. Yep. That is fabulous. Well, and everybody said, don't go into business with your friends. And we proved them wrong because we did fine. Wow. And T and I talk about this all the time, surrounding ourselves with people that uplift us. They don't have to be carbon copies of us. But right. how do you do that outside of the Wild Rose Press? I mean, you have, I'm sure you're being tugged at all the time, tugged at like, read this, read this, promote this, promote this. How do you get that clarity outside of work? You have to make some boundaries. I mean, for me, I still have a, I have another company that I run. I do bookkeeping for folks because I can't say no to them. So I take care of the number sides of other companies too. And so I, I have a lot of authors and a lot of writers that will send me things. I have some in my box right now and I'm just real honest with them. I'm like, I will be happy to read this, but it's probably going to take me four or five weeks to get back to you, but I will get back to you. And I will, I'll take it and I'll make a note to myself that you have to get this done by a certain date. And I, you mentioned boundaries up there too, a little bit. And I know that at least for me in my life, boundaries have been really hard to set up and to keep to them just because I'm like you, I'm the nurturer. I want to give, give, give. Right. And I want to say yes to everything that comes my way. So how are you able to decipher this is worth my time and energy and this is not? And where in your life have you kind of felt like a struggle with that and reset those boundaries? Um, I think all women, we have struggles, you know, whether it's elderly parents we're taking care of, or it's the demands that, you know, my boys are now in their 20s, early 30s and 20s, and there's still demands from them. I think that you just have to pick and choose what you're willing to do and what you aren't. And I'll go back to bookkeeping. I have a lot of people that would love me to do their bookkeeping. I'm not. I have the people that I work with, and that's it, because I need to have the time and energy for Wilder's Press, because that's my passion. And I need time with my family because that's my passion. And then there's the things you have to do, you know, to take care of everybody else. So it is hard to set boundaries, Tia. And I think that, I think you just have to be honest with yourself about what is what is going to take you too much time that you can't give it your whole. And what is something you may want to do, but it's only going to take you a few seconds. I may not want to read the neighbor's son's 10 pages he wrote about his dog, but it's going to take me literally 15 minutes to read those pages and tell the kid, yeah, you got it. You're going to be Stephen King. You know what I mean? You sort of have to pick and choose what's going to take the time and what can you devote that isn't going to take you a lot of time, but it's going to mean something to somebody else. And I'm really fascinated by the lives. And I think he probably pioneered this term, if you will, mompreneur, because, (laughs) you know, you were, by my calculations, you had kids, early teens in those teenage years, and you just decided to to take the sleep of faith, sleep of faith with RJ. Hey, RJ, just shout out again to RJ. But, you know, 
you decided to take this leap of faith, had a family that needed you, especially in their teenage years. They are self-sufficient, but as we know, they can drive you a little bit bananas. How does how did you even come up with this idea? Because I don't think 15 years ago, people were doing it quite like they are today. Well, I think the other thing too, is you have to, so I've, so RJ and I both have always worked other jobs. You know, when we started this company, it was going to be for fun, remember? And so for probably the first five, six, seven years, we never took a dime off of it. It just rolled it back into the company and we kept working our day jobs. And this little hobby of ours was, was a side hustle. And so we got very used to doing this around our lives, whether it was raising the kids, um, she's a mom of a son, or whether it was working jobs that we had to work to pay the bills, but we've always done it around things. I think that from what I'm proud of, to be honest, is I'm showing my sons that a woman can do it all. We can raise the kids, we can have a home and we can have a career and we can do fine. I'm not saying I was always 100% perfect at all of it, but we can do it. I mean, it's not unheard of. You can make it happen. And yeah, my son was a senior in high school. My second son was a junior and my baby was probably in middle school when we opened up the company. Baby. Yeah. 26 now. And so you're kind of also the pioneer of the side hustle. Right? Yeah. Well, that I think that a lot of women have had side hustles, Tia. I mean, all over, you look at women, we've always worked a night job. If you had to stay on with the kids during the day, we've always had to do what you have to do to put food on the table. Um, so I don't think that that's anything new for women. I think whether you were babysitting someone else's kids or you were working a, you know, night stock and shelves, we always done what we had to do. And I'm not sure that the word side hustle was actually in the American vernacular. And I'll have my researcher look into that. <laughs> RJ, can you look into that, please? <laughs> but seriously, I mean, it is a gig economy now. And yeah. I know as a creative, and I see it with so many different people, they have this, they just are unable, or they're able, they're, they're making passive streams of income. And for authors, I see the craft of writing books a very what's the word I'm looking for a scary like it's very scary very unstable. It's unstable yeah that's the word thank you yeah and unfortunately uh, I'll burst some bubbles here unfortunately in today's world when there's 10,000 books hitting Amazon every I don't even know if it's a day or a week anymore the ability for an author to be found and to make sales is harder and harder every day it's easier and easier to get published but it's harder to make sales so you really, you know, when an author says, oh, I'm going to quit my day job and write, I always kind of cringe a little. I'm like, oh, I hope you've got another income stream coming in somewhere because it is so uncertain. You might have one book that does phenomenal. That's one book. You know, you've got to follow it up. And I was on a panel out of Seattle on Friday night with a couple really big selling authors. And they even still, they're like, you got to live book to book because you don't know what the next book's going to do if it's going to do anything. You know, it's a constant battle there. But I think that if you love it, it's worth it and you do it. And if you have to do that around a day job, then that's what you do. Earlier, you kind of touched on like timing of stuff too. And I think mm -hmm. that especially when we're on kind of that verge of change and knowing there's big changes coming up, timing is something that really prevents a lot of us from taking that leap. We have millions of excuses that come flooding into our minds of why we can't do it yet. And so what was kind of your experience with timing of this business and how you still jumped in, even though when you weren't really sure, even though RJ was pretty sure right. about it, you yeah. weren't so sure. So how did you get your mindset to where it needed to be to make this change? 
Well, I think we did it, and I don't want to use the word right way as if there's a wrong way, but we never quit our day jobs. So this company could grow on its own because it didn't, it didn't have the pressure of providing my income. I didn't have to pay the mortgage with this company. So I grew it as a hobby. It was going to be fun. And we started it small. So whether you're doing a craft business or whether you're doing books or whatever, if you have that solid revenue stream of something else first, it takes the pressure off of the rest so that you can enjoy it and you can be free to do what you need to do with it without it being, oh my God, are we going to make our sales this month because we've got to pay this, this car payment. So that was my leap of faith. I wasn't, we, we literally put the ISBN numbers on a credit card and said, if this thing fails, we split the credit card bill and we're done. That was our whole leap. So your company was basically started on a handshake, it sounds like. You oh yeah, we, we, I think we did have, a, we had a DBA paperwork. We, we were a partnership, but we didn't have anything drawn up in writing. We needed $1,500 to pay for these ISBNs because she built the website. We didn't- And really ISBN is- some- the ISBN is the number on the back of the book that you have to have to get it up for sale, whether it's an ebook or a print book. It's that big, long digit on the back. And back in the day, they were $1,500 for I don't remember how many. It, it was probably a couple hundred, we'll say. I don't know. And neither one of us wanted to put in $1,500 of our own money. So we said, well, let's put in a credit card, 750 bucks each. We agreed that if it failed, it was done. And we paid our, back then they, they mailed contracts in, so you had to mail them back. We paid our own postage out of pocket. We didn't have any business <laughs> expenses. We didn't even know we could pay for postage with the company. That's how naive we were. That's so fascinating. Just thinking about you having to mail it in. Yeah. Mail it, in. I, and <laughs> mail it out, mail it in. Yeah. How do you how do you remain agile just as a woman, as an entrepreneur and looking forward as well? I mean, you must sense there's new trends coming down the pipeline. So I think the the hard part is, again, being a woman in my mid-50s and seeing all of the new stuff that the, the 20 and 30-year-olds do. So the smart thing that we did was we have a social media manager who's 26, which is what we need. And she knows all these new things, like you were talking about before Clubhouse. I'd never heard of that, but she did. She knew about it. My son being 26, he actually used to work in social media marketing. So we've got these people around us who, even though I might not go and research Clubhouse and find out about it, I've got people. And so they're going to do it for me. But, you know, gaming, we, we talked about this a little bit before we went on the air. I didn't even know there were these interactive games on your phone where you download um, a game and you can become the heroine of that game and you choose the way you want your story to go. And they need content for these games. And they come to publishers like me to buy content. And that just came up this year. That's a whole new world that's opening up to publishers and writers, that that whole arena. Wow. So remaining agile. And that is so fascinating. It reminds me of those choose your own adventure books when we were kids, but digitally. So that's really fascinating. Okay, so I have one question for you. Okay. So when you started, you mentioned that you were just doing this on a wing and 750 bucks, but <laughs> yeah. you wanted to have fun. Are you still yeah. having fun, Rhonda? I am still having fun. I still enjoy it. I won't lie that there's some days where it's a challenge. There, there's days when you've got to deal with things that you didn't know you were going to have to deal with, but it's still fun. It's still good. I, I 15 years has just flown by and I still love helping authors. There's nothing like when the author writes to you and says, you made my dreams come true. You know, it's just, there's nothing more special. 
And, you know, and I tell this story all the time and I always cry, but I've had family members come to me and say, my mom passed away last week, but you made her dreams come true. So thank you. That's priceless, girls. It's just priceless. You're leaving a legacy and it's so much more than just the written word. I mean, I just got the goosebumps (laughs) when I thought that quite honestly. And you probably, even though you did have those dreams, those huge dreams of being a published author, of elevating the dreams of other female writers, I bet you never really could have ever imagined someone would tell you that. No, it's, it's it's really one of those things where you don't know until you're in those shoes what that means to somebody. You know, I, I, I had an author just the other day email me and say, you know, I, I'm terminal with cancer. I'm not going to be here in three months, you know, but thank you. So it's touching. It's really, it's powerful stuff. I love that. I think that yeah. those moments that you get that recognition back and just get to hear that you've made somebody's dreams come true, like yeah. that has to make those tough days, those tough decisions so much easier to get through, just to grab onto that and remembering why am I doing this? It does. It does. Um, I think the one downside, if there is any in this, and is the analogy I always use is somebody that loves to bake cupcakes. So she opens a bakery and then she never has time to bake cupcakes again. So my writing side and, and probably RJ's, a lot of that has been shoved aside because we have to run the business. So there's no time to do the writing. I try once in a while to dabble in it. I try to go back and find that person that used to just eat, dream, sleep, breathe it. And it's tough. So I think that's the only thing I could say is a downside for me is I kind of lost the craft. I've lost the muse, if you would. Maybe I'll find it in Santorini. (laughs) Okay. Yes, you will. If you can't find it there, then there's no hope, right? (laughs) Yeah, let's hope. Let's see. Well, before we let you go... T and I love to do lightning rounds. So we're just going to throw some real quick questions you at you. Go for it. First thing that comes to your mind, Rhonda. First thing that comes to okay. mind. Tia, do you want to start? Yes. Okay. Advice to your younger self or just a younger woman in general? You know, this is a question people are asking a lot these days. I just saw this question on another blog. You know, I've thought about this a lot. And I think that the only thing I would tell to my younger self is, you're going to be fine and you're going to do great things and just keep on going because there's really nothing that I regret going backwards. There really isn't. And then that sounds really high in the sky, but it's all worked out the way it's supposed to work out. So I'm good. Oh, I love you. Okay. So this may be a tough one. Okay. Favorite book. Favorite book ever. The book that, I won't say haunts me. The book that will come back into my mind over and over again is I think it was Jude Devereaux and she wrote Summer House, the first one. She has had several others, but the first Summer House she wrote where a bunch of women came together in a house. There was, I think there was three. And it was a fantasy where you went to that point in your life where there was a fork in the road and you chose one fork and she took you down the other fork. So say you didn't get married or you did get married. That book is so powerful for everybody because we've all had that moment, that fork in the road where you had to go one way or the other. And what is and the name of that book? I'm sorry. Summer, it's Summer House Summer by House. Jude Devereaux. She's wow. written sequels that were not as good. It's the first one that was really powerful to me. I loved it. Just loved it. I'll definitely be checking that out. Yeah. Okay. Favorite genre of book to read? Romance, contemporary romance. Hands down. Time travel, a fast second. I love a good time travel if it's done well, 
but I'm I'm a writer lover of contemporary romance. This has nothing to do with the lightning round, but do you read for pleasure still, or are you just reading like your nope. author's books? I do. I still read for pleasure. Um, the old days, the good old days, I could read a book a day, you know, back when I wasn't running a company and doing a million other things. But now I try to get a book in every couple months. I love Susan Wiggs. I love Susan Elizabeth Phillips. They're my go-to girls. Anything they write, I usually will pick up. Okay. So favorite comfort food? Oh God. If it, you're talking about a meal, it's always steak, steak and baked potato. You're talking about, you know, anything else. I love vanilla ice cream with sprinkles. Candy. I'm a, I'm a huge sweet tooth. Huge okay, sweet tooth. Like Skittles or Starburst? No, sweet. Can't be anything sour. It has to be chocolate. It has to be caramel. Very big sweet tooth. Okay. Last, your favorite holiday? Christmas. Well, no, I take that back. Fourth of July, actually. Fourth of July, we're usually at um, a lake somewhere and the boys are there. Okay, this is bonus round. What does... I'm going to see if you know this. What does RJ stand for? What does RJ stand for? Robbie Joe. Oh, Robbie Joe. She's a Southern gal. She's a Southern girl. Okay, shout out to RJ. No, this is amazing. And what I find so amazing that you still have that spark 15 years, you really truly pioneered not only what the side hustle is and was, but you told the world, you believed in yourself so much that you took the risk to like everything. Well, this may be over-exaggerating, but lay everything on the line for your dream. And here you are today, editor-in-chief of the Wild Rose Press. You are an inspiration to us in terms of letting us allow, allowing ourselves to dream bigger and know it will be a reality if we yeah. dream and believe. So I have to, before I leave, I have to tell you that this company wouldn't be where it is without the the people that work for us. I mean, there's 37 people behind RJ and I, you know, RJ and I could never do this alone. Probably half of them, more than half of them have been with us since the beginning. They started with us when it was just a, Hey, want to have some fun and join this company? And now they're still here. So I would be doing a huge disservice if I didn't tell you that these women, and it's all women, it's all women here. These women are what makes this company bloom and grow, which is our tagline. You know, we bloom and grow because of them. You really make me want to sing The Sound of Music. (laughs) Bloom and grow. Okay, but I can't even believe I just sang that. You know what, though? You are amazing. You're a spark. You are the Wild Rose, along with RJ. But you are the Wild Rose. You're something that is untamed. You're something that's natural. You're something that keeps growing. So thank you so much, Obsessors. You can see all the links to learn more about Rhonda in our show notes. And remember, get obsessed with your life. 